You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. And welcome back to another edition of the Domecast, our weekly look back and ahead on all things in North Carolina politics and government. I'm Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. Uh, if you are a regular listener, you know that last week was a treat, and this week is sure to be a letdown. But we will do our best <laughs> to make the show good. Um, but last week's was a great show. I was away. Thanks to Patrick Gannon of The Insider for uh, stepping in. When I say I was away, I was actually in uh, China on a trip with some other U.S. journalists. We were Uh, trying to explain how we do things here, Uh, learn a little bit about China, of course, in the news. Uh, President Xi is in the States right now. China's on the front page just about every day. As we all know, our economies are as uh, intertwined as ever. I will tell uh, one story, if you'll give me a a moment of personal privilege here. Uh, We may need to uh, uh, ben, we may need a, like a laugh track at the end of this, just so people uh, think it's funny. But um, <laughs> one up. so I will say, our agenda we we traveled uh, fairly widely, and and uh, on the agenda for our trip was uh, in the in an in interior uh, city uh, called Xi'an, sort of in the middle of China. It's like the St. Louis of China, if you will. Uh, they had listed a dinner that we were to have, and it was of local delicacies. And I had been concerned about this, not knowing how that would go, what the local delicacies would be in the interior of China, uh, realizing that that means they haven't caught on anywhere else. And so we end up at the local delicacy meal, and uh, I'm looking there on the plates, and what do I see but uh, pulled pork on a bun, uh, with a little vinegar sauce on the side and, uh, and then a, uh, it was a little, uh, thing of, uh, rice that had been battered and fried and had a little, uh, honey on it. So it was basically a hush puppy. So the, uh, local delicacies in Xi'an, uh, China really were like, uh, being in Kinston. And so I got along great uh, with that. Mm-hmm. So to be so. clear, the Chinese prefer the Eastern style of Eastern, North Carolina barbecue to the Western. It was definitely an Eastern style, uh, barbecue, uh, with vinegar. So yes. Um, so anyway, that was good. It was a good trip and I'm actually reporting, uh, a few stories. And so those will come soon. Um, Uh, in the News and Observer. But we have more important things to talk about. Of course, the uh, legislature is still here. It's late September, and uh, but we are pushing toward the end. Let's hear from uh, Colin Campbell of the News and Observer and Benjamin Brown of the Insider. Uh, Guys, so um, it seems like the list is uh, still long of things to have to do. Colin, uh, tell us uh, what's well, just bring us up to speed? Are we, are we going to be out of here next week or not? And what is on the agenda? Well, that's the uh, the big question mark. So the Senate's already passed an adjournment resolution to uh, set the adjournment date for this coming Tuesday, and they won't be coming back to Raleigh until uh, the end of April, which is uh, good news to a lot of folks. But uh, that's not 100% settled yet. The House has not passed that resolution themselves, um, so we don't know for sure whether uh, Tuesday will be the, the deadline for them to finish everything up or whether we'll have a few more days of action. Seems to be a ton of bills uh, moving through in the last few days uh, on the schedule for Monday alone, there's a bill about shifting uh, school funds uh, to charter schools. Uh, local school districts are very upset about that. There's a bill about 
banning the sale of uh, fetal body parts from abortions uh, and defunding Planned Parenthood that's on the agenda. Uh, they still have to pass the bond bill on the House side to set a $2 billion bond vote for next March. Uh, there's a reg reform bill. It's a huge laundry list. There's probably two dozen bills on the agenda for Monday, and there may be more that surface between now and the, the finish line. Yeah, much of this, of course, has been uh, written about in The Insider and at the News and Observer. Um, it, but but it is a big uh, uh, swirl of moving uh, uh, items. Uh, ben Brown, t- uh, well, just what's the mood like? What what are you hearing? What are you seeing? Um, uh, give us a flavor of what it's like to be down there. There's a lot of paranoia about what might make it into bills, uh, things that get tacked on at the last bit. There was a, a, a an analogy from Bill Brawley, I believe, Representative Bill Brawley, uh, a Casablanca analogy that, you know, the, the, the train is leaving and everybody's trying to, you know, like uh, stuff in at the end. So, uh, you know, what bills remain and what will be added on to them? There's a little bit uh, this week in a bill dealing with uh, taxation on tribal land that... Uh, was kind of put into the shenanigans file a little bit by Representative James Bowles. He complained that there was a provision that the Senate put in at the very end that didn't really have to do with the basic subject matter of the bill. It had to do with the state's liquor law and uh, uh, something to do with distilleries. There, there was a change made earlier this year that would allow distilleries to sell one bottle of their product uh, per per visitor per year. Um, that was controversial in and of itself, and this part of the bill had to do with that. So the House, actually, the, the Senate voted out this bill with this provision put on at the end. The House voted not to concur. And then um, Roger West, who sponsored the, the original bill, said, you know, I hate it that, you know, w- we had this original bill, but this thing stuck on at the end is kind of weighing it down. We should we can, can we reconsider this vote? The House went back and reconsidered it and ended up sending it to the governor with this thing at the end, despite the protest from Representative Bowles saying, you know, this is an example of something we shouldn't be doing. We had this alcohol-related provision. It didn't go through the ABC committee, which Bowles chairs. That kind of thing seems to be thematic uh, this week, and I assume uh, continues to be for the next few days. Yeah, and we heard uh, Representative Lewis talking about that, uh, or we read about it um just this, this notion of process, really. It's mm-hmm. starting to become as much about the process as it is the legislation. Uh, Colin Campbell, tell us, uh, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you, what's your feeling? Um, is this, is this going to all wrap up on Tuesday or is it going to be later in the week? I kind of suspect it could be later. Um, I understand there may be one more Senate Rules Committee meeting. The House has one Rules Committee meeting already scheduled for Monday morning. And that's where the the last-minute things that most of us observers might not even be thinking about because it might not be in a bill that occurred earlier in the session may show up. Um, Whoa, hold on a second. So the House has a Rules Committee meeting, and we sort of have an idea of what's sitting there. Yeah, they've got a published agenda with several bills, and and the uh, committee substitutes that they're running, Mm -hmm. I think, have been uh, released at least on some level. But we're going to see Senator Apodaca uh, convening uh, at least one more meeting. Yeah, and he said that, uh, I guess it was uh, Wednesday when he uh, Mm -hmm. adjourned the last Senate Rules Committee meeting, was he thought there would be one more before the end of the session. And Senate Rules seems to be where a lot of this uh, has been described as the shenanigans uh, seems to to come about, where you've got a list of bills that are fairly innocuous-looking bills, and you get into this committee meeting, and suddenly uh, they become bills about hot-button issues like abortion or sweepstakes parliament. 
parlors or any of a number of things where someone really wants to get last-minute legislation in. So they take an existing bill that met all the deadlines before, uh, delete all the language, and then add in whatever they want. So what you end up with is a process where a bill shows up and is voted on 10 minutes after it's released to the public, and it's never put online before it's voted on. There's no way to really know what's coming, uh, which creates a lot of heartburn for a lot of people trying to keep up with the process and uh, get the word out about issues that they care about. Um, and then those get rammed through at the end of the session. Yeah, there, there was another example this week that wasn't insanely controversial as far as subject matter goes, but it was a bill that it was a Senate bill that dealt with... Uh, uh, street gangs, uh, street gang abatement and court orders dealing with that, that was stripped out uh, and replaced with county omnibus uh, study language, which it itself wasn't necessarily too controversial, but just an example of, of how you can kind of, you know, uh, surf with uh, uh, existing legislation if uh, assuming a, a senator or House member consents to having their bill stripped out. Maybe it doesn't always happen that way. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So we are in the final rush, and uh, everybody's trying to catch the train, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what it was? That's what they said. And uh, so um, uh, when they adjourn, they don't come back until next uh, spring. So there is uh, this feeling of now or, or uh, a long time from now. So very good. Let's take a break. And we wanted to talk a little bit more about the uh, primary election uh, bill. So we'll talk about that. And then, of course, we'll have headliners of the week. Have you checked out the newly designed News and Observer this week? You'll see changes that make all of our products more visually appealing while giving you in-depth coverage and new ways of storytelling. Visit new.newsobserver.com to learn more about the new ways for your news day. As a listener to the Domecast, we have a special offer for you. You can receive the News and Observer Digital Edition for only 99 cents for four weeks. This includes unlimited access to NewsObserver.com, mobile, iPad apps, and the print replica e-edition. Just head over to NewsObserver.com, click subscribe at the top of the page, and enter the promo code DOMECAST to receive this special offer. And we're back on the Domecast. I'm Andy Curlis with the News and Observer. Thanks for listening. We wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about a bill that's come up here in the last week, uh, the last few days. Uh, very interesting, relating to setting the primary uh, election uh, schedule. Of course, lawmakers are very in tune with how uh, elections run, and there's a bill that's being worked on now. Uh, Taylor Knopf of the News and Observer has been covering that. Patrick Gannon of The Insider has been following that. So let's uh, first, uh, Taylor, bring us up to speed on uh, just you know what's going on. There's this has been floating around the whole session. When will the primary election be uh, on the presidential? Um, the, now it's being wrapped up. Just bring us up to speed. What 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 what's what's the latest? Okay, so yeah, they it looks like all the presidential um, primary and the all the statewide race primary elections will be held on March fifteenth if the governor signs off on the bill this weekend or early next week. Um, that was pretty, the presidential primary, moving that up was very much agreed upon, bipartisan support. The statewide races, moving those up has had some pushback. Moving up from May, right? From they, May, they right. They were going to be in May, so we would have been uh, having a primary, you know, people would have been choosing between, say, Roy Cooper and somebody else on the Democratic side. That would have been in May. 
Right. Now it would be March 15th under this. Mm-hmm. Okay. It would be moved up. And so would the filing period. So that is under the new plan going to start December 1st and that will go through December 21st under the new Senate plan announced this week. Uh, the interesting thing is uh, during the Senate plan, as they announced these details, they also added a provision at the very end where they're allowing this thing called affiliate party committees to be established in the General Assembly, which is basically allowing the House and Senate majority and minority caucuses to raise support and money for candidates and distributing it without going through the state, uh, Democrat, and Republican parties. So that is the newest thing on that, and uh, it's been met with a lot of criticism. The House almost didn't concur with the bill because uh, 19 Republicans, I believe, voted against it, You know, saying, we never saw this, it was not vetted, we're not sure if this is even a good idea, and this is the Senate backing us into a corner, making us... And this led, what was the vote there in the House? Was it like 52 49, something like that. It was a very close vote. Yes, 52-49 in the House. Yeah. And so, Patrick Gannon, tell us, um, what are you hearing about this uh, end provision, this fundraising part of it? What's what's going on there? Uh, there's been a, definitely been a lot of talk about that. Um, it's interesting that they would put it in into this legislation. And I think what Taylor says about the Senate back in the House into a corner, I think the House, uh, you know, the, the majority of the House members want it as well. But some of the House members who, who don't want it, I guess, were backed into a corner. Um, the presidential primary um, part of that bill had to pass really soon to meet a deadline uh, for the Republicans. And as we as we get towards the end of session, um, you know, everything kind of has to pass quickly if they're ever going to get out of here. Um, I think Republicans wanted the presidential primary part um, just to give North Carolina more of a sway um, in the national um, election and in picking, a, you know, the, the nominees, which North Carolina typically with a primary in May, usually the, the nominees are picked before, you know, North Carolina voters get to have a say. Um, Democrats argued that... Um, kind of on the, you know, putting all the primaries on the same day um, would give potential challengers to the Democratic candidate, or I'm sorry, to the incumbent candidates, much less time to campaign, raise money, which would put them at at a disadvantage. Uh, One senator, Josh Stein, called it an incumbent protection bill um, because potential challengers will have less time to campaign and get their name out there, et cetera. Um, it's kind of weird. I, I think they could have done these if they did these bills separately. It would it would have been, um, uh, well, definitely the the final part the the that Taylor was talking about um, that the fundraising the, the fundraising component. part that yeah. that is unrelated to these other two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. And that would allow, uh, say, uh, Senator Berger, uh, Speaker Moore to raise money uh, in their own committee. Um, there's still a lot being learned about about this provision. Um, Bob Hall from Democracy North Carolina, kind of a, a liberal, a more liberal um, government watchdog group, sent out a news release today, basically saying that this would be, that these um, accounts would basically be slush funds controlled by uh, the caucuses uh, for campaigns, where they could take unlimited contributions from lobbyists and and. Um, corporations and and then funnel them to candidates during sessions or or whatever, which they're currently not allowed to do. And Taylor, some of this was debated. What are what's the rationale for why they say they need these uh, types of committees? You know, when they asked, David Lewis stood up in the House and said it's just going to add transparency to the whole process. That way, 
you know, candidates won't be funneling money through any kind of county parties or anything like that. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll have to, I'm sorry, Patrick. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, in 2014, when, uh, then Senator K, U.S. Senator K Hagan was running, uh, for reelection, um, she, uh, without much faith in the Democrat, in the state Democratic Party at that time, which was pretty much in shambles, um, she funneled a lot of her money through the, um, the Wake County Democratic Party. And that's kind of, um, that's another rationale that was used this week by, uh, the, the Republicans who are, uh, seeking this provision that if, you know, if the, if the state party isn't, you know, isn't trustworthy or, or isn't, um, you know, in, in good shape, then um, this would be another avenue to, uh, to, to, you know, raise and spend money. Hmm. Interesting. So we're going to keep uh, following that, and there will, uh, I'm sure, be more reporting on that uh, as, as the days and uh, weeks ahead uh, move along. So we'll stick with that. Let's uh, take a break, and then we'll be back with uh, Headliners of the Week. Hi, I'm Ryan Seacrest for RAD. Over 300 people in this country are killed every week by a drunk driver. That's the equivalent of two 747 plane crashes every single week. And the problem isn't going away unless we all do our part to stop it. So if you see someone who's about to drive after drinking, get the keys. Don't leave it up to anyone else. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. And welcome back to the Domecast, our weekly look back and ahead on all things in politics and government in North Carolina. We uh, deviated last week from our standard uh, end of the show uh, format, but it was pretty good. Uh, st- the debate stars, um, that was really enjoyable. But we'll go back to headliners of the week. And so let's uh, hear first from Benjamin Brown of The Insider. Tell us 45 seconds, argue for your person. We'll have some fun at the end and pick somebody. Uh, tell us who is your headliner of the week. Uh, Representative Becky Carney, uh, seven-term Democrat from Charlotte. She returned to the legislature this week just like she she uh, said she would after this uh, delicate heart surgery that she had back in August. Uh, that was really life-saving. Uh, she said at the time that she would be back before the end of session. Uh, she called her shot. She came back, and she said her heart's beating stronger than it ever has, and she got a huge warm applause from her colleagues. Uh, Becky Carney, she was a standout for me. Becky Carney, uh I think the comment from her was miracles do happen that's it right? yeah something like that. well very good okay so becky carney uh, welcomed back uh, warmly uh at the legislature just in time i guess if they weren't still here that wouldn't have happened so um so that was good all right let's hear from uh, craig jarvis of the news and observer craig welcome to the dome cast thank you tell us who is your headliner of the week I'm thinking Representative David Lewis, who is chairman of the uh, Rules Committee, uh, is part of the key leadership in the in the House GOP. He was at one point Thursday showing the strain, I thought, of uh, of a lot of trying to hold the party together. On Thursday, it seemed like the Republicans were caucusing behind closed doors more than they were out in public. They had a lot of issues to resolve. Uh, leadership had to explain why they were doing, you know, handling certain bills certain ways. Bills like the alcohol provision, uh, Ben mentioned, and and the election uh, affiliate campaign thing. 
But, uh, you know, Lewis just said what they've, they've been doing a lot lately. They've had to move the budget. They had tax bills. They had incentives. And as he said, the, this what should have been an innocuous farm bill sucked a lot of oxygen out of the room. So uh, he's had to do quite a balancing act. Ding. Perfect. Yeah, that was right on the line. So David uh, Lewis, Representative David Lewis of Dunn. Is he from Dunn, Harnett yeah. County? Yes. Um, you know, one of those one of those guys who really, uh, in many ways, uh, unsung has to keep things moving along, and and this is the time of year when uh, they feel the crunch. So David Lewis in the hat as a headliner of the week. Let's go now to Patrick Gannon of the Insider. Tell us who is your headliner of the week. I'm going to go with uh, Representative John Hardister of. Greensboro who held a press conference this week week to say he's a conservative Republican who wants to abolish the death penalty, which seems to be a growing movement of uh, conservatives uh, concerned about the death penalty. Uh, he brought with him a Nebraska state senator named uh, Colby Coash, who led the charge uh, to repeal that state's death penalty uh, earlier this year. Uh, Hardister said he thinks the, the death penalty is inefficient. It's more expensive than, uh, you know, with all the appeals, uh, et cetera, than, than keeping the, the folks uh, in prison for life. Uh, there's a potential that innocent people could be executed that we uh, almost saw here in North Carolina. That um, and that Ding. Uh, John Hardister. I'm going with John Hardister. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's also been botched executions across the yeah, country. Yeah, I hate to cut that off. And but, um, um, you know, and and he also said, which I thought was the most telling, that that you know the death penalty, you know, believing in the death penalty for conservatives doesn't really jibe or parallel or, or with you know b- pro life beliefs of many conservatives. Mm, interesting. So, Rep- Representative Hardister, correct? John Hardister. John of Hardister of Greensboro in as a headliner of the week and let's welcome to the dome cast liz bell intern liz bell say hello hi welcome how are you very good liz bell is gonna jump in with a nominee so tell us liz bell intern who is your headliner of the week I'm going to go with Pope Francis, the spiritual leader of over a billion Catholics. Um, he's been making a huge splash in Washington, D.C., talking to Congress about a variety of topics, um, namely climate change and encouraging U.S. leaders to fight um, hate and poverty in all areas of the world. And also, a uh, little known fact, to delay his arrival in D.C., the Pope's plane circled around um, Tick Bite, North Carolina three times. So he was a little closer to home than you might think as well. <laughs> oh, that's great. Great. Uh, yeah, I guess he was either early or they were running late in Washington. And the, the little known fact, the Pope was circling in North Carolina uh, earlier this week. Of course, a lot of North Carolinians went up uh, to Washington. I'm sure some will be in Philadelphia this weekend uh, for the Pope's visit. He addressed uh, Congress in a historic uh, speech. And so Pope Francis in. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. As a headliner of the week. Gosh, it's going to be hard to, I mean, how do you, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> okay, so let's move along here. Who we got? Colin Campbell. Tell us, who is your headliner of the week? Well, I'm not sure he can top the Pope, but I'm going with Senate Minority Leader Dan Blue of Raleigh, who uh, had a, a small victory. Um, for many people, maybe a big victory this week uh, with respect to the $2 billion bond bill that uh, passed the Senate. The Senate rolled out their version. Uh, they'd cut out a lot of projects and going from a $3 billion bond to a $2 billion bond. And a lot of the ones that got cut were historically black state universities. Uh, such as Elizabeth City State, Fayetteville State, NC Central, and Durham. We're not going to get projects out of this bond. Blue brought that up in a committee meeting, said that really, you know, one, it, it looked bad, and two, it was a big concern for these schools that really do need help. Um, and a day later, his uh, concerns were addressed by the, the Senate Republicans. They added several of the schools back in there, and uh, he said he was very happy with the outcome. You don't see that a lot from the, the minority leader when uh, there's a supermajority on the Republican side. He, he doesn't get a lot of deference, but in this case, uh, they, they listened to his concerns. Hmm, damn blue. So got something done. Yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe that'll be in an ad or a, a, a brochure then, uh, working across the aisle. So Dan uh, Blue, Senator Dan Blue, in as a headliner of the week. We have a full cast today. We're not done yet. Uh, one more to go. Taylor Knopf, tell us, who is your headliner of the week? So I'm going to nominate Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin. On Monday, he gave a very short press conference where he dropped out of the presidential nomination race. And he, I mean, was that was very unexpected for most people. He was one of the forefront leaders as he started out. Um, he was even here in North Carolina in early June for the Republican state party convention. And uh, funny enough, Trump was also here. And Trump was a huge reason uh, Governor Walker cited for stepping out of the race, saying he needed to move out and give more space for other presidential hopefuls to kind of take the attention away from the current frontrunner, which is Donald Trump. So so Scott Walker, Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin, who did you, co Taylor, did you cover his when he was here talking? Um, did yes. You cover, yeah, you had so we covered staked him. him out all day, and then we never got to talk to him, but we did. And we really speech. thought at that stage of the game, we wanted to talk to Scott Walker because we thought he might be, very well be the nominee. We weren't that concerned about Trump, who I did later interview uh, yeah. that night, and sure enough, Trump is now the front runner. Yeah, so uh, Trump talked to us, though, at the time, right? Scott Walker did not. Yeah, tr uh, Scott Walker did a bunch of other media. Trump was not getting that much uh, media interest. I was, I had him to myself for two or three minutes because uh, yeah. the media hadn't discovered that he was going to become such a huge presence on the uh, campaign scene. So there's a lesson there. Talk to uh, Dome, and uh, your your you know your fortunes may change. <laughs> so all right, so Scott Walker in as a headliner of the week. Actually, I think Sunday Dome will. Uh, there's some new polling out on the presidential race and what North Carolinians think about that. So we'll we'll you can look for that in uh, Sunday Dome. We'll 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 get a lot of that out there. So all right, here's the moment, uh, and. You know, it's hard to say that you're not going to pick the Pope when he's uh, been invited to talk to Congress. But um, same issue. There was a moment when the Pope was uh, talking to Congress where he uh, talked about the value of life, the importance of life. There was a standing applause uh, as he was speaking of that. And then he immediately said that he thought that there should be a global uh, abolition of the death penalty. 
And uh, so then sort of the dynamics of the applause changed to there on that. It was an interesting moment. And so that's why we will go with the same uh, flavor here uh, from North Carolina with Representative Hardister uh, and his uh, 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 trying to bring attention to sort of cutting against the grain of the normal thought on the conservative side. It was an interesting uh, moment this week. And so uh, Representative Hardister will be the headliner of the week. Let's see if we can't grab some audio from that as we head out. And we thank you for listening as always. And uh, we will see you soon. I think there are a number of reasons why it's logical for a conservative to oppose the death penalty. I see it as um, an inexp- a very inefficient government program, an expensive government program. It costs taxpayers a lot of money. Um, there have been numerous cases in which an individual on death row was exonerated. There have been several botched executions across the country. And this raises questions in my mind about the wisdom of capital punishment. As a conservative, I don't trust the government to carry out executions efficiently, and I'm afraid the government could make mistakes in the conviction process. You've been listening to The Domecast, a production of the News and Observer and the Insider State Government News Service. You can keep up with the conversation by reading Under the Dome in the Daily Print Edition or online at newsobserver.com. The Insider is found online at ncinsider.com.